The reason I'm opposed to capital punishment today has nothing to do with the people who are on death row. I'm not their advocate. They will benefit by my advocacy, but I'm not doing it for them. Most of them are undeserving of any human consideration. They need to be isolated. But from a societal perspective, I think capital punishment no longer serves any useful purpose in society. This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams coming to you from a rain-drenched Southern California. My co-host Bob Ambrosi is away on business today. We'd like to take this time to thank our sponsor, Clio, a web-based practice management software program for lawyers at goclio.com. November 6th, 2012, Proposition 34, or what's known as the Death Penalty Initiative Statute, will be one of the initiatives on the ballot in the state of California. For those of you who are unfamiliar, if approved, Prop 34 will eliminate the death penalty in California and replace it with life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. So if approved by California voters, what kind of impact will Prop 34 have on our prisons and those on death row? Today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to talk about Prop 34, its support, opposition, and ultimately impact on our prison and justice system. So joining us now is attorney Donald Heller. Prior to forming his own law firm in 1977, Donald Heller was an assistant district attorney in Manhattan, New York County, and later Don was the assistant U.S. attorney in the United States Attorney's Office in Sacramento, California. In his eight and a half years as a prosecutor, Don tried all of the general criminal offenses from grand theft to homicides, and in the federal court, Don prosecuted multiple mail, wire, and tax fraud offenses that are commonly charged to today, along with bank robberies and a memorable case involving the attempted assassination of President Gerald R. Ford. Donald is the author of The Briggs Initiative, or Proposition 7, a 1978 ballot measure that broadly expanded the kinds of murders eligible for capital punishment. Now, in an apparent flip, as an advocate for the death penalty, Attorney Heller is fighting to abolish it. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Donald Heller. Thank you. It's a pleasure being on your program. So is this a flip? Are you uh, changing your mind from where you were on Prop 7 now that you've written Prop 34? Well, I didn't write Prop 34. I'm supporting it, although a good portion of Prop 34 is taken directly out of the initiative I crafted. Uh it's and I would refer to it as an evolution. I've gone from certainty to change in um, assessing the viability of capital punishment in California. Um, after 38 years of experience, uh, I have reached the conclusion: the death penalty is broken. It cannot be remedied, and it should be abolished. What was what was it that, in the course of your evolution from 1978, what changed? Well, one of the things I assumed when I wrote it, and the document itself is carefully written, 
in conformity with existing Supreme Court uh, jurisprudence, U.S. Supreme Court jurisprudence. So in respect to it uh, as a legal document, it's well-drafted. In reality, my first assumption was that competent lawyers would be representing defendants charged with capital offenses. Uh, Unlike the quality of lawyers I saw when I was in the Manhattan DA's office who were appointed to represent uh, defendants in murder cases, California did not have that level of quality. They had some very good lawyers, but the large um, expansion of the death penalty led to multiple death cases throughout California, and a good number of them had marginal or submarginal lawyers. Um, And um, the proof of that is really in the number in the number of cases that were overturned because of the ineffective assistance of counsel on habeas or motions for new trial. And, of course, that was very disturbing because when someone's life is at stake, it's up to society to make sure they have effective assistance of counsel. Constitution requires it. Don, is that... that the the fact of the difference in the quality of the attorneys i know you're you're going to go through some other factors that you are considering but would a simple solution to that would be to provide better quality attorneys instead of eliminating the death penalty if in fact you were really a believer in the death penalty um i think and and there are other factors that cause me to change but i think that is occur, has been occurring and has evolved over the years by requiring minimal minimal standards for lawyers representing defendants in uh, death cases. It's in the California Rule of Court Rules of Court, and the requirements for appellate lawyers are very stringent. Um, and very few lawyers qualified to represent defendants on appeal in death cases. Um, one of the reasons why it takes six years to get someone appointed to represent a defendant in a death case. Six years? Six Can years. Can you explain the, that? Yes. When ninety, About 99% of the cases that have resulted in death penalties um, require court-appointed appellate counsel. And because of the stringent requirements of experience and competence, very um it there are, the the pool of capable lawyers is small and it takes approximately 6 years from the judgment of conviction and the filing of a notice of of the automatic appeal that uh, for the appointment of counsel on appeal that's established in California that, of course, could be changed by either lowering the standards or having more lawyers um, raising the, the, the hourly rates of more lawyers with experience would apply to handle a death case on appeal. Well, you part of Prop 34, I believe, is a, is a $100 million that is going to law enforcement agencies. Is any of that money going to be directed to raising the hourly rates of attorneys? No. 
No, it's got solely for law enforcement. And the reason um, that money is in the initiative is that would be part of the savings of abolishing capital punishment. Um, the calculation by Judge Alicon in his um, empirical study of the effectiveness of the death penalty and the cost um, demonstrated it cost about $185 million a year to keep our mechanism of death um, working and functioning in California. doesn't function well because we've gone from zero on death row when I wrote the initiative to 729 as of today. And we've executed 13 people since 1978. How much of that 100 and Hundred million dollars in savings, or what? I think what, what was the number that you used? One hundred and thirty-five. One hundred eighty-five million. One hundred eighty-five million of the one hundred eighty-five million dollars in savings that we are going to get from uh, not having the death penalty. What is the offset for the increased cost of keeping those seven hundred and twenty-nine individuals on death row incarcerated for life? That's a good question because. Statistically, from Department of Correction records, it cost about three times the um, expenditure to keep someone on death row than in the general population. Uh, so keeping them on in the general population by abolishing capital punishment would be a significant savings over their lifetime. I mean, the the the... It becomes somewhat speculative to calculate the exact savings, but it will be a significant savings um, in a number of different ways, not just the, the maintenance of, 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 um, of once convicted death um, murderers with, with a death sentence in the, now in the general population if the initiative passes, but there are other dramatic savings. This is going to sound like a callous remark, but, and I don't mean it to be callous, it's just from a practical standpoint. Uh, obviously, life exists, but I mean, is there really, for a person who's a life sentence and you're not going to get out of jail, what's the quality of life that you've got in jail? And is it really, I mean, it, yeah, I, I it's, I don't know how to ask that question. I don't know if you know what question I'm trying to ask. Well, I think is, I, the question is, uh, as, as I understand what you're saying, and I, and I understand the, the difficulty in, 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 in phrasing it correctly, um, someone doing life without parole does not have a great life. They just adapt to their existence, and um, some just go along and... and who are doing life without parole because we have many people on in 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 the general population who've been sentenced to uh, life without parole or sentenced to so many years that it's the functional equivalent of life without parole. Right. Jerry Sandusky's sentence for example is he's going to die in prison. He's going to die in prison. And but he will be no risk to the law-abiding general population. Right. And the same with those who murder they will be no risk to the
the general population, whether they do something in prison um, to hurt some another inmate. Of course, that's a possibility. But within in within the prison structure, when there are problem prisoners, they get segregated in security housing units, and then in secured in in certain prisons that are supermax prisons. And they're isolated and separated and don't mingle with the general population. So there are different methodologies used by the Department of Correction to deal with prisoners who are problem prisoners. Is life without parole any better than death? I mean, obviously, other than a living. That's a big distinction. But, I mean, is the quality of life... do you does anybody I don't want think the, the quality, quality of life, of life that comes with life with parole? Without I mean, parole? it wouldn't be my choice, but because the quality of life on death row is not a um, is not pleasant, um, and, and the quality of life in, gen, in the general population, but they're not being sent to prison because they're model citizens. They've committed heinous crimes and need to be isolated. Um, for reasons of public safety from the general population of, of society. Um, they're not sent there as a reward. They're sent there as a punishment and to protect society. And um, prisons are needed because we have people that violate the law and people that are very violent. Uh, the reason I'm opposed to capital punishment today has nothing to do with the people who are on death row. I'm not their advocate. They will benefit by my advocacy, but I'm not doing it for them. Most of them are undeserving of any human consideration. They need to be isolated. But from a societal uh, perspective, I think capital punishment no longer serves any useful purpose in society. So is it really fair to say then that your support of Prop 34 in your change from uh, supporting the death penalty to being against it is more so because it costs us too much money and it's not effective? Well, that's that's a that's a significant reason. Not the the consideration that I use when I finally reached the conclusion what I wrote was a mistake and a very costly mistake. But I think when you look at the cost factor in California, it's gigantic. We've spent $4 billion executing 13 people. We've raised the death row population from zero to 729 people. About 85 people have died on death row from natural causes or suicide. Wouldn't a, wouldn't a better solution be to streamline the system and make it more effective rather than just simply abolish it? I mean, it seems like you're taking a big step here to, to go from Prop 7, which established the death penalty, to simply abolishing it. Why not take the interim step of trying to fix it? Well, um, again, that's another good question. Um, we could streamline it. We could reduce the number of special circumstances, and that would be something that has been mentioned before. But we will still have the cost of um, the system itself. One of the major failings of the system is that 
the California Constitution, which was written several hundred years ago, or oh, more than a hundred years ago, requires that all appeals of death cases be made directly to the California Supreme Court. California Supreme Court is a court that hears civil cases, criminal cases, and death cases. They have 729 appeals pending. Um, I'm not sure what percentage of the death row population have briefs actually on file with the Supreme Court yet at this point, but it would be significant. Their workload is enormous, and the only way to streamline the system would be by creating a, a constitutional amendment, which is very possible, and streamlining the appellate process by creating a special court of criminal appeals. And that court would hear death cases, and then if there's some significant legal issue, um, they could apply for writ of certiorari to the U.S. Supreme Court uh, or to the California, rather, writ of certiorari to the um, California Supreme Court. So not every case automatically goes to the Supreme Court. That would reduce the backlog. It would make our appellate courts and the Supreme Court function better, but it's going to cost money to create a, a, that type of uh, new court system. Um, you could, by reducing the population, you de uh, the, the special circumstances to make someone death eligible, you will reduce the number of trials and the number of death cases, but you will still have costs. And one of the significant costs of death cases as opposed to a, 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 a non-death case is that the initiative that I wrote, which is in conformity with the um, with U.S. Supreme Court jurisprudence, requires that the jury in the penalty phase, separate part of the trial, hear evidence in mitigation. And so enormous money is spent investigating a defendant's background, so that could be presented to the jury as a mitigating factor. And um, the other enormous cost in death cases is that there two lawyers are required, sometimes more than two lawyers, because oftentimes a third lawyer is brought in just to handle DNA evidence or some other technical, not technical, but scientific evidence issue that is a, is a very narrow specialty. So you have these costs going forward um, in in capital cases that are expensive and can be eliminated with that by eliminating the death penalty. So let's just uh, let's play a hypothetical here. Um, let's create a perfect world where we have all the money that we need. We have all the technology we need. We have um, all of the issues that you've raised with respect to the effectiveness of the system dealt with and the pay of the lawyers and so forth. Let's just get down to the root question of whether or not the death penalty itself is justified. Can humans, the society, put people to death as a consequence of the actions that they take in killing other people? What's your view on that? My view on that is that locking someone up for life without parole serves the function of, of public safety. 
which is a which is one of the reasons government was created. The risk of capital punishment is the risk of executing an innocent person. In the last 15 years, more than 300 people who had been in prison, about half of them had been on death row, have been exonerated by DNA evidence. So if you can imagine someone was sentenced to death by 12 jurors who believed beyond a reasonable doubt based on the evidence presented that the defendant was guilty. And in fact, DNA proved him innocent. So we have half? at risk half. That's oh, there's been about 150 number. people who have been on death row have been exonerated by DNA evidence. Pretty Is that here in California or across the country? Across the country. Across the country. We have had defendants who have been exonerated in California based on DNA evidence. Happens regularly. So you're saying it's time to take a time out, let's get this squared away, and maybe revisit it later? I think what, I think having a time out um, by abolishing capital punishment would take this topic once again and maybe finally off the table and just function on putting people away in prison who present a danger to society because they have intentionally killed. And at that point, I think the hue and cry for execution is, will be dissipated and go away because there will be finality to a judgment of conviction a first-degree murder and the sentence to of life without parole for the person convicted. Well, Don, it's time for us to take a quick short break. We will have much more on Proposition 34 and abolishing the death penalty in California when Lawyer to Lawyer returns right after this. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the benefits of cloud computing. Now, what do you think the single biggest benefit to cloud computing is? In talking to our customers recently uh, about that very question, I was surprised with what came back with as as a really resounding response, and, and that was that it's the convenience and the freedom that cloud computing affords them. The ability to get their work done from anywhere, whether it's at their office, at the courthouse, at home, or even if they're on vacation, They're able to get their work done where and when they need to get it done. Uh, The mobile aspect of things is also increasingly important. With cloud-based software, you can access your data and software from your iPhone or your iPad, uh, your BlackBerry, uh, and other mobile devices. So for the uh, lawyers that are on the move, which is an increasing uh, proportion of lawyers, that's a, a really key benefit as well. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if anyone wants additional information on Clio, they can feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? 
I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're talking with attorney Donald Heller and about the abolishment of the death penalty, Proposition 34 in California. And Don, right before the break, I, I interrupted you and, and uh, you were trying to finish your thoughts. Um, the greatest risk, the greatest horror for society would be the execution of an innocent person. It's occurred around the country. I believe it occurred at least once in California. It would, and nothing could be more horrific for a society to execute an innocent person by locking someone up for life without parole. That risk is eliminated. The evolution of DNA evidence has resulted in exonerations around the country of people in prison. Can we flip that a little bit? Let's flip it to say that we have definitive DNA evidence for an individual who we know committed murder. DNA evidence shows he committed or she committed the murder. In that circumstance, would you support the death penalty? No. I, I, I have reached the conclusion that there is a viable alternative to death, which is life without parole. And that is, it serves every societal interest except vengeance and revenge. And vengeance and revenge should not be the interest of government. Well, now let's visit that for just a second, because that was going to be one of the questions I was going to ask you. There are, as you know, from taking criminal law in law school, there are social policy reasons that we punish people. Uh, including retribution. And certainly, um, there are people in our society who have lost their loved ones at the hands of someone else and someone who potentially is on death row, and they want retribution. And that has been an accepted form of of, uh, punishment for people. Why is it that we're going to change that social policy? Because there's another viable alternative of locking someone up for life without parole, which protects society, and it serves as a punishment, a substantial punishment. Well, it, and you know, for those who believe in the Bible, it's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's the old an eye for an eye, and you know, now in the New Testament, turn the other cheek. So you're saying I'd, you I'd rather say, other. thou shall not kill. 
Right. And, I, 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 and I'm not a pacifist. Get, that one doesn't get followed all the time. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm not a pacifist, and I believe that we have a right to kill in self-defense. We have a right to preemptively um, attack someone that presents, uh, from a societal point of view, a clear and present danger to this country. Um, but in the area of criminal justice, if I believe that capital punishment would serve as a deterrent to others not to kill, it would make me change my mind. But I am absolutely satisfied beyond any doubt that when someone commits a crime, they're not ever thinking about the consequences of what would occur when they got caught. They think they could get away with it. But it it does serve from, I, I don't know, I have to disagree with you on the deterrence standpoint. I mean, you know, if you're thinking about murdering someone, you're so angry, but you're still somewhat rational, you sit there and think, I'm going to, uh, I don't want to go to, I don't want to get killed myself. You know, you get so angry that you want to kill someone, but yet you're, you don't do that because you don't want the consequences. Well, it's, it's, it's really interesting because statistically around the country, the rate of homicide has dropped. And in most of the same statistics exist both in California where we have the death penalty and multiple other states where we don't. I don't think having practiced criminal law for almost 43 years, both white collar and violent and violent crimes, both as a prosecutor and now as a defense lawyer, that people ever think about the consequences of what they do um, when they commit a crime, or if they do, they think they could get away with it because they're so smart. So it's, it's, it's a um, subject that certainly engenders a lot of debate. But I have reached the conclusion after giving it a lot of thought for a lot of years that what I put to paper and what became the law of the state of California does not work. It's a broken system. It's an enormously costly system, and it should be abolished. Well, we're just about at the end of our program, but before I ask you for your final thoughts, I want to ask you one final question. Okay. Are you familiar with the case of Scott Peterson? I am. How do you sit down with his wife's family and explain to them that he shouldn't be put to death? Say Just, just in a quick sentence or so. In a quick sentence, I'd say Scott Peterson now will never be on a golf course. He will never be chasing other women. He will never be enjoying a Diet Coke or a Coke sitting out and looking at the beautiful ocean without bars in front of him. And he is going to be locked in that room for the rest of his life and think about what he did to Lacey and her unborn child and his child. Is that a worse punishment? I think so. Well, we've just about reached the end of our program, Don, and, and it's time for us to wrap up and get your final thoughts as well as your contact information for our listeners. So um, if you were to sum up, you know, I, I'm a voter. I live in California. I'm going to be voting on Prop 34. Convince me. Capital punishment does not work. 
It's incredibly costly to maintain the system. Approximately $185 million a year. We've spent $4 billion executing 13 people. We know it doesn't work. There's a very viable alternative, and that is locking someone up without parole for the rest of his life so that that person could rot in jail and maybe contemplate the criminal behavior that took him to pri- that found him in prison. We've reached the point in a civilized, and we consider ourselves a civilized society, that capital punishment should be abolished. Because without capital punishment, we know we will never execute an innocent person. And to me, that is a, a critical factor. In your contact information, if you'd like? Yes, I'm, my name's Donald H. Heller. I live in Sacramento, California. My, uh, my email is dheller at donaldhellerlaw.com. And I do respond to email comments, unless they're uncivilized. And then I just delete them. <laughs> and a wise move at that. Well, Don, thank you very much for being our guest today and discussing uh, the abolishing the death penalty with Proposition 34. It's certainly been an interesting discussion and one that, um, you know, uh, as a voter, it's a, it's a difficult process for me um, because I, I do have the sense of um, not paying attention to the monetary aspects of it, but more paying attention to the societal aspects of it. I understand your argument. Uh, and and wish you the best of luck in your campaign to overturn it. We've got a few days left before the election and, and hope that uh, it turns out the way you want it to. Thank you very well, much. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it very much because it was, it was a very civilized and intelligent discussion. And that's what we strive for. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that wraps it up for this week's Lawyer to Lawyer. Uh, remember, you can now get your CLE credit through West Legal Ed Center for listening to select Legal Talk Network podcasts. You can go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and click on the West Legal Ed Center link. You can also found, find all Legal Talk Network shows, including this one, Lawyer to Lawyer, on iTunes. We'll be back again next week with another great legal topic. When you want legal, think Lawyer to Lawyer. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Gee Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.